1: Sources, inside sources, inside sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM, welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and often when we look at what goes on in government in terms of policy. we fail to really look all the way to the end of the row and say, okay, what was the outcome? What were the outcomes of all of this? And often that leads us to wasteful spending, which we talked about earlier in the program. Uh, but we want to talk about this idea of of what actually produces results and outcomes that we really want. Uh, really pleased to be joined now by Phil Rossetti. Uh, is a resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute. He focuses on energy and environmental policy. Uh, He's a former staff member of the uh, Congressional Congressional Select Committee on the Climate Crisis and former Director of Energy Policy at American Action. Philip, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: All right, so let's let's dive into something that I found to be just a a really interesting thing for us. We always try to think again on this show. Uh, You made the case that it is possible to say that one of the outcomes of President Trump's 2017 tax cut was that it was actually good for the environment?
2: So it sounds weird, but uh, it's really focused on innovation and private sector development of new technologies uh, and environmental investments. So you open this uh, segment by talking about the end of the road for a lot of these policies. And when we think about the tax reform, there's a huge focus on the effect on individuals and what it meant for uh, everyday folks taking home their pay. But a big part of it was also what does it mean for businesses to invest and do business in the United States to improve their productivity, uh, buy new equipment, innovate R&D, et cetera. Uh, what we saw is that, yes, it did have that effect. Uh, we only have the data from that tax form actually pretty recently because of a huge delay in the data. Uh, but economy-wide R&D jumped by about 11.5%, percent $39 billion double the usual. In energy and environmental R&D, that increase was about 12%, or $3.3 billion, which is significant because up until that point, it had basically been stagnant. Private sector energy and environmental R&D was a shrinking share of total economy-wide R&D. So yes, we saw that this policy, which encourages businesses to do more, uh, also affects the energy sector. And if you want clean energy, you want environmental progress, uh, you can't ignore the sector in getting
1: us there. Uh, I think that's so interesting to, to think that all the way through. Uh, we used to always kind of hear that when the government, you know, throws a lot of money at like a company like Solyndra, that it's actually bad for the solar business because of these very reasons you've you've laid out, Philip, in terms of the R&D. Uh, if, if companies feel like they have to compete against the government uh, or a company that's, you know, just getting wads of cash from the government – Uh, they're they're not as likely to innovate or to really invest. Uh, And so is that what we're talking about here in terms of what's the right incentive to get businesses to do the right thing?
2: I mean, you you hit the the nail on the head right there, talking about the government's investment in R&D potentially going astray of what it should be doing. So when you think about public and private R&D, The role for the government is really things like basic research, some early-stage applied research, and things that the private sector isn't investing in because maybe the profitability is just decades away or there might be spillover benefits or other reasons. Uh, But when we think about technology where it's actually being deployed and companies are making the decision that they want to invest and do more, then government dollars can have an ironic effect. It's what they call this crowding out where basically companies that get the money don't have incentives to improve their productivity, reduce costs, and they just take the money and do whatever they will. The private sector has competition. Uh, they It's their money on the line and their risk if they can't innovate and make technologies as cheap and accessible as possible. So, yeah, we saw this with, uh, with tax policy. Uh, and you really need to think about how do you get innovation in a sort of harmonious way. You can't ignore the private sector. You have to uh, not punish that sort of investment. Uh, and you can't ignore the sort of early stage, basic uh, science aspects as well.
1: Uh, I think that's so important. I just want to have you drill down just one last time. We've got about just a minute or so left. Philip, uh, Philip Rossetti from uh, R street Institute uh, just to help our listeners again, just really understand that this idea that when uh, the government throws all of that in there, uh, there's less incentive for R&D. There's less incentive to actually do it. So so what is the proper space kind of for this public-private partnership, especially as it relates to things like clean energy?
2: So, you know, in traditional economic sense, we kind of want like a gradient of, uh, you know, more R&D at the early stage from the public side and then more from the private side in the later stage. So it, it really is about phasing out uh, subsidies based on the technology deployment and the technology maturity So things that you already see huge investment from the private sector, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to just give more government money on that because it's taxpayer money. Uh, You're not going to get the same uh, benefit that way. But if you're thinking about what are the uh, incentives for the private sector to invest, what is the private sector going to do otherwise? Are they being taxed on it? That's where we see really a huge incentive for private sector to do more.
1: Uh, great insight, as always. Philip Rossetti, the R Street Institute. Uh, great piece and a great uh, insight. We'll have you back to continue to break this down. I think it's so important for us as citizens to understand where this money goes and then what is actually producing the kinds of outcomes we want, especially when it comes to climate and, and to clean energy. Uh, it's not always what we think it's going to be. But, uh, Philip, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right, we're going to step aside uh, just for a quick commercial break. Uh, much more to come, some breaking news uh, coming uh, right here on KSL News Radio. Stand by.
0: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. <laughs> There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In and my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.